pray. Holy Father in heaven, as we come before your word this morning, we ask that the spirit who inspired these words would illumine our minds and our hearts to understand the meaning of this text, cause it to affect our hearts, and cause us to live in obedience to our risen and ascended glorious Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Please be seated. invite you to turn to our sermon text for this morning, to Luke chapter 24, verses 50 through 53. If you're using a chair Bible, that's page 885, Luke 24, 50 through 53. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, one of your uh, neighbor churches, not too far away, about 40 minutes, uh, down 31 um, in Ringo's, New Jersey, and I I bring greetings from uh, the saints there as well. So very happy and excited to be with you this morning and glad that Pastor Jim can be ministering to the flock there. Let's give our full attention to the reading of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, and infallible word. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them, While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. May God bless the reading of his word. When someone reaches the pinnacle of Success. Suppose an actor becomes famous for a blockbuster film or a, um, a businessman finally works his way up the ladder to become head of a company or a politician makes it to the White House. Often what they might say at that moment is, I have arrived. Meaning that they have achieved what they set out to accomplish with the highest level of success. This morning we come to this passage at the end of of Luke's gospel. And the final verses of this book are incredibly important for the rest of the New Testament. And incredibly important for life in the church today. In Ringo's, I took about two years, and I I believe uh, Pastor Ron also spent quite a bit of time uh, preaching through the Gospel of Luke recently. And and when I came to the end of this book, as I preached from this passage, I told our people there that as we come to the end of this book, it really is a beginning. It's important to understand that Jesus doesn't just leave the earth. Certainly, that's the case with his ascension. But he also arrives in heaven. He has arrived at the pinnacle of all that he set out to accomplish. And his arrival in heaven marks an important transition and a new beginning in redemptive history. Christ arrives in heaven as high priest to bless, to intercede, and to inaugurate heavenly worship. Our text gives us 
uh, insight, uh, not only about where Jesus has gone, but what he is doing from that position as the risen and exalted Savior. Notice first that Jesus blesses his apostles. He leads them out to Bethany, a significant place throughout the Gospel of Luke. Bethany was the place in which Jesus set out from for his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Luke 19, 29. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, and the text continues by uh, describing the disciples going into Jerusalem to retrieve the colt for the triumphal entry. And the rest of the Passion Week then... Jesus and his disciples would return out of Jerusalem back to this very location, to the Mount of Olives. Luke 21, verse 37. And every day when he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the Mount called Olivet. Well, after his resurrection, Jesus and his disciples return to Bethany, return to the Mount called Olivet. And Luke makes this abundantly clear in his second volume. In Acts chapter 1, verse 12, uh, we see that after the angels question why the apostles are standing there looking up into heaven after Jesus ascends, Luke writes, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. And so it's clear from the witness of Luke in both his gospel and in Acts that Olivet, this mountain, was in Bethany. And Jesus, after he is risen from the dead, brings his apostles to this mountain to ascend from there into heaven. Now, why would this be so important? Well, the importance of this mountain setting is found in what Jesus does next. He brings them to Bethany, to the mount called Olivet, and Jesus lifts up his hands to bless his apostles. And notice that Jesus lifts up his hands. Now, this would have been a common manner to bless God's people. Probably see your pastor do it every week in the benediction at the end of the service. Lifting up both hands, especially when there is a group, would symbolize the bestowal of a blessing from God. And we see this pattern of blessing all the way back in the Old Testament with Aaron and the priests in Leviticus. Uh, Chapter 8 and chapter 9, which we read the end of uh, earlier in the service, we see the description of how Aaron and his sons, as priests, were set apart and consecrated for that office. And Aaron makes various offerings for sin. And at the end of it all, Leviticus 9 verse 22 describes what Aaron did. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he came down from the offering, and he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And so, in light of the sacrifice that Aaron just presented before the Lord on behalf of the people, he blesses them. Jesus climactically fulfills this role of a priest. Having offered the perfect, once-for-all sacrifice to fully atone for sins, what does Jesus do? He lifts up his hands and he blesses his apostles. Notice that Leviticus 9 describes Aaron as coming down from making his offerings. The tabernacle and later the temple were always meant to be lifted up. 
the, the temple even being built on Mount Zion, called the Temple Mount. And we see this with Moses as he ascends the mountain to enter the glory cloud of God's presence on Mount Sinai. And Moses returns down from the mountain to bless the people. Well, here, at the end of Luke, we see the presentation of a better Moses, a better Aaron, who ascends the mountain, not just an earthly mountain, he ascends the heavenly mountain into the very presence of God in all of his glory. And from that exalted and glorious position, the heavenly priest, Jesus Christ, blesses his apostles. How does Jesus bless them? Well, a few verses earlier in Luke's gospel, we read that Jesus promises his disciples the promise of the Father and power from on high. Jesus blesses his people by the Holy Spirit. Moses ascended the mountain to commune with God. Then he descended to bless the people. Aaron and the priests with him would go up to the temple mount to make offerings and then descend to bless the people. But Jesus, when he ascends the heavenly mountain, having already offered himself, as he enters into the heavenly temple, he blesses his people by pouring out the fullness of the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of the risen Christ, descended from on high, To dwell in the midst of his church. See, as Jesus lifts up his hands to bless his apostles, he blesses his church who is built upon their foundation. From his exalted position, Jesus, as the heavenly priest of a priestly order far superior to Aaron, blesses his church by sending his spirit to dwell in you. So that even now in Christ, you partake of the heavenly blessings through the Spirit. Not only by sight, uh, not by sight, but by faith. So that Paul can even write in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And notice where he says those blessings reside. In the heavenly places. You may look around yourself at the church. You may judge things according to the standards of the world. And if you were to do that, it wouldn't seem like we're very blessed. You look around yourself and you see weak people, struggling people against temptation. You see forgetful people as we forget the gospel week after week. And we need to be reminded of it each and every Lord's Day. It doesn't really seem like we're blessed By sight. But here God's word authoritatively tells us that the ascended Christ has abundantly blessed you from heaven by his spirit. It is a blessing that the eyes of faith alone can see. Luke continues to describe the ascension of Jesus. Jesus blesses his church from the mountain. And as he blesses them, he ascends into heaven, having completed his work on earth. Look with me at verse 51. While he blessed them, he parted from them 
It's quite interesting that, that Luke includes that, that little detail. It was while Jesus was still blessing them that he was taken up. It's as if Luke is telling us what Jesus will continue to do when he arrives in heaven. Even from his exalted position in glory, Jesus still blesses his people. But he's ended his earthly ministry. But he's begun his heavenly ministry. Luke states that Jesus parted from them. His parting demonstrates that he has finished what he came to accomplish. On earth, Jesus lived a perfect life, fulfilling the requirement of perfect obedience that Adam failed to accomplish. Adam's failure brought sin and curse upon this earth. Jesus not only met the requirement of perfect obedience, but he also suffered the wrath and curse of God against sin. He died in place of sinners, was buried, and he continued under the power of death to bring the forgiveness of sins. And in his resurrection, and even now in his ascension, he is shown to be the perfectly righteous one. He has defeated death. He is therefore given the right as the obedient covenant head to ascend into heaven. And as Jesus departs from the earth, he shows that he has fully completed his work, the work that Adam failed to accomplish. And as one who has fully accomplished his work, he enters into what Adam failed to attain. He enters bodily into heaven. Jesus' ascension, however, is not just a departure. It's also an arrival. Verse 51, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Jesus entered into heaven to continue his work as the heavenly high priest. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Notice at least two things from Hebrews 9.24. First, notice that the holy places made with hands were copies of the true things. The tabernacle and the temple were always earthly replicas of heavenly realities. What Hebrews calls copies of true things. And so these earthly replicas were never meant to be an end in themselves, but were always meant to draw God's people's eyes upward to the heavenly realities. And secondly, notice that the risen Christ has entered into heaven for a purpose, in order that he may appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Christ has entered heaven to sprinkle his blood Upon the heavenly mercy seat. To intercede for us in the heavenly temple. And to bring us into heaven. Into the fullness of the presence of God. Just as Christ lived for you. Just as Christ died for you. Just as Christ has been raised for you. Jesus Christ has also ascended into heaven for you. Jesus has offered his perfect blood in the heavenly temple for your forgiveness of sin. Jesus intercedes for you in the presence of God even now as he conducts our worship this Lord's Day. 
And Jesus is preparing a place for you to dwell with him in heaven for all eternity. The church experiences the blessings of heaven in part now because the church is united to the ascended Christ. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 that even now you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Having arrived in heaven, Jesus continues to be for you, for his church. Not just as crucified, not just as raised from the dead, but for you as the one who has all the resources of heaven to serve and minister to his people. The risen Christ has ascended into heaven to bless his church and to continue his heavenly ministry on your behalf. And the last two verses detail the response of the apostles. They worshipped Jesus. Have you noticed all of the connections between um, all that Jesus has done in this passage? He's blessed his people like Aaron and his sons would bless the people after making offerings. He's ascended into heaven having completed his atoning work to make continual intercession for you in the presence of God. These are all things that a priest does. But Jesus is a heavenly high priest. He is the ultimate priest. And in verse 52, Luke writes that the apostles worshipped Jesus and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They are obeying the words of Jesus from verse 49 when he instructed them to stay in the city until they were clothed with power from on high. They were to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. And so they, re- they returned to the city anticipating the next redemptive event, Pentecost, which will be our topic this evening. And notice how they returned. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy. We see that exact same phrase in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, from the lips of the angels who announced the birth of Christ to the shepherds. They were bringing them good news of great joy. Here we see the, the, the fulfillment of that announcement. As Jesus has truly brought great joy, climactically in his ascension into heaven. Verse 53, the very last verse of the Gospel of Luke, until the Spirit is poured out, the apostles were continually in the temple blessing or praising God. They went to the earthly copy of God's heavenly presence to worship. But once the Spirit comes at Pentecost, the heavenly presence of God would break through into this present age to dwell in the midst of his church, no longer at a particular spot in a particular building, but amidst his people. The church, therefore, by the Spirit, is the expression of the heavenly temple dwelling of God on earth. That's what we are as we gather this morning and even this evening to worship the ascended Christ. We are the heavenly dwelling place of God here on earth by the Spirit. And Jesus risen and ascended into heaven is our high priest who conducts our worship from his exalted position. By his ascension, Jesus has welcomed you 
into the heavenly temple. By his ascension, Jesus has inaugurated the fullness of heavenly worship in part now, but fully in the age to come. So that even now, the author of Hebrews can write this. When you come into worship, this is what you are coming to. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And you have come to innumerable angels in festal gathering. And you have come to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. That is the church. And you have come to God, the judge of all. And you have come to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, even the church triumphant in glory. And you have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Jesus has ascended into heaven. And there he is to be worshipped. Set your minds and set your hearts upon Christ ascended. Set your mind and set your hearts upon Christ in heaven. Jesus as the high priest has entered into heavenly glory to bless you, to intercede for you, and to inaugurate and conduct heavenly worship of his church, which you enter into now by faith. By the world standards, you look around yourself in public worship and you see very ordinary things. Preaching, often by a very ordinary preacher. The bread and the wine, very ordinary pieces of food. You see singing, sometimes quite ordinary if we were honest with ourselves. And you see prayers. Our feeble attempts to express to God our desires for his glory. But by the spirit of the ascended Christ, what you are doing as you come to public worship is a participation in heavenly worship, which is before the very throne of God. You see this by faith now, but if you belong to Christ, you will see it by sight in the age to come, because Jesus has gone to heaven to prepare a place for you so that where he is, there you might be with him forever. Brothers and sisters, verses 52 and 53 detail the very first action of the church after Jesus ascends into heaven. They worship. Worship of the ascended Christ will be the mark of the church upon earth until Jesus returns. And worship of the ascended Christ will be the mark of the church in heavenly glory for all eternity. May you and I worship Christ as crucified, but now risen and ascended for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that as we worship together, Each and every Lord's Day, we have a man in heaven, the God-man, the ultimate exalted high priest who conducts our worship, who blesses his people by his word and spirit, who conducts us and by his spirit makes us and builds us into that temple dwelling of his father. Father, help us to see this by faith, to see the 
biblical importance of what we are doing each and every Lord's Day and not neglect it. But see the glory by faith of what we do now. Worship you and what we will do forever. Worship you in your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.